0: Well, brothers and sisters, it's uh, an incredible, incredible, incredible honor and joy for me to be here today. It's the first time that I've been able to deacon at the National Shrine of Divine Mercy as an ordained minister. For years, I've looked at the Ambo thinking, one day, just maybe one day, and Father Chris, before Mass this morning, uh, right after morning prayer and, and right before Mass, asked if I would deliver the homily, if I would be willing to, if I felt ready. So pray for me. If it doesn't come out, I might have needed a little more time. (laughs) But it's an incredible honor to be with Father Chris, my good friend. Um, And thank you, Father Chris, for asking me to give the homily. And to, to be at the altar with you is also just an incredible honor. We've talked about this for the last four or five years, how much we would like to stand at the altar together. So it's a blessing for me and please forgive me, indulge me for a little, the little uh, intro there. So um, there's so much going on in this gospel today. There are six verses going on in this gospel, according to Luke. And we could, un- in, in the words of Father Kaz, we could unpack it a little and look at it in, in more detail. I kind of want to focus on three things that are incredibly important historically in what the church's faith is. First, from very early on, the fathers of the church recognized that the Blessed Virgin, they used the title for her, Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant. And that should remind us of what the Ark was in the Old Testament, right? So what was the ark? The ark was made of pure gold and the mercy seat sat on top of it. And what was inside the ark? There were the 10 commandments, the two tablets holding the 10 commandments. There was the jar of Omer that contained the manna come down from heaven, the miraculous bread that sustained the Israelites through their pilgrimage throughout the desert. And there was the staff. Right? There was the staff showing... uh, uh, Was it... not Jesse's staff. It was uh, Aaron's staff. Thank you. I blanked out on that, Father. (laughs) Aaron's staff showing his ability to be able to shepherd as a Levite and as a priest and to lead people in the oracles of God. Now, Elizabeth's response to the Blessed Virgin, when Mary speaks to Elizabeth... She is filled with the Holy Spirit. She's filled with the Holy Spirit and the babe in her womb leaps, leaps. And she has this experience of a leaping babe within her. Now that word leaped, It's also used in the Old Testament for King David, who, when he was returning the Ark of the Covenant to the Israelites, to their proper place, he leapt and danced with joy before the Ark of the Covenant. So the early church fathers and teaching throughout the church recognizes an art, a materialistic ark made of gold, and wood, acacia wood, that contains the bread come down from heaven, the word of God, the oracles, the word of God in the Ten Commandments, and Aaron's staff, how much greater is the one who is the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the mother of God? Within her, she's the one who gives flesh to the one who saves us and gives Jesus his divine nature, uniting his divine nature to human nature and in, in the person of the Godhead. So this leaping that John is doing in the womb and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament backdrop is a prefiguration pointing to the reality that will be fulfilled in the Blessed Virgin Mary. That should, I mean, that's mind-blowing to me. The blueprint that the Lord God had worked out 1,200 years, 700 years, what what was the exact time frame, 1,200 years with David, roughly around there, was a blueprint of what he was going to do in salvation history for mankind when Jesus Christ would be incarnated in the womb of the Blessed Virgin, the God-man. So Mary, as the Ark of the Covenant, that should leave us in absolute awe. Secondly, I already alluded to this, but the early fathers at the Council of Ephesus declared that Mary is the Theotokos, that is the mother of God or the God-bearer. And look at Elizabeth's response in this passage. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin, right? That's the relationship. So you would think, oh, thank you, cousin, for coming to visit me. My home is yours, welcome. This is just natural, my cousins come to see me. But that's not Elizabeth's response. Elizabeth has the response of, who am I that the mother of my Lord has come to visit me? Elizabeth recognizes who Mary is. She recognizes the moment and significance and time of her visitation. This is the mother of the Lord God that has come to visit me. She sees that this is not merely my cousin, which would be great, a cousin coming to visit. This is the mother of my Lord, the long-awaited Messiah that that our people have been longing for, desiring for him to come, and here's the moment and it's my cousin. No, it's the mother of my Lord. Wow. I mean, the significance of that for human history, and in that moment, should just literally blow us away, like it does to to contemplate on that. These mysteries that are going on in just these six passages right here are absolutely mind-blowing. The other third title that I would like to touch upon, and all these titles come out of what the reality of who Mary is, and the reality of these salvific events, right? So, the Second Vatican Council declared this very clearly in Chapter 8 of Lumen Gentium, um, and, and other passages or other documents throughout the history of the Church, the Blessed Mother is the Mediatrix of all graces. And some, Non-Catholics might get scandalized. There's only one mediator, right? There's only one mediator between God and man from the letter of Hebrews. That one mediator is Jesus Christ. However, God loves us so much that he allows us to participate in his salvific works, in his works of salvation. I remember uh, being in class with Scott Hahn, and he gave the analogy of, Uh, how how great the Lord is that it's analogous to if a young boy is out in the backyard and he's with his dad and his dad's working and say, he used the analogy of he's cutting grass. Now, the dad and the father could much more efficiently cut all the grass by himself and not have to take more time to bring little Johnny along to to help him cut the grass. But the father, out of love for his son, wants the son to participate in his works and what he's doing to be with him, to have communio with him, communion with him, to walk with him. So he honors his son and he takes more time and he brings his son along to do the works that he's doing as well. And Pseudo-Dionysius, I just had a Holy Orders class this past semester, and Pseudo-Dionysius, and this is going all the way back to the fifth century, talks about how much more God is honored and glorified when his works are multiplied and when we participate in those works with him. So the Blessed Virgin is called the Mediatrix of All Graces. When we think about this, it makes total sense. From where do all graces come? God, right? Only from God. Where does salvation come from? Which person most, most directly? Jesus. If he's not incarnated, if he doesn't take on human flesh and become like one of us in all things except for sin, and if he doesn't take that pure, innocent sin and that nature to the cross and, and put an end to death and kill death itself, and then rise triumphantly. Guess what? We don't have any of those graces. But from where did Jesus get his human nature? From the blessed Virgin. She gave him his nature. Not only that, but he came through her. So, Automatically, I mean, that's just a logical conclusion. All graces come through Mary because Jesus came through Mary to us and saved us. And Elizabeth gets it right. Elizabeth gets it absolutely right. From the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit at the greeting of Mary. Mary mediated the Holy Spirit to Elizabeth in the greeting. And isn't that incredible news for us? We have not only, not only is Mary Jesus's mother, the Theotokos, the God bearer, but she's our mother and we know that St. John was given the Blessed Virgin and standing in in person for us when Jesus gave us the mother of God from the cross to be our mother too. And so that's why we welcome her into our hearts, into our lives. When she greets us and when she comes to us and walks with us, what takes place, brothers and sisters? You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You were filled with the Holy Spirit at her greeting and her intercession for each and every one of us. This is a glorious thing. This is what we are anticipating in the coming of the Christ child and the infant in just five days, right? If we count today, it's five days. Four days with a vigil, maybe maybe three and a half. (laughs) But oh, what glory, what, I mean, what? And we're here right now too, and this is winter solstice, right? The darkest day of the year if you're living in the Western Hemisphere. Sorry for y'all living in Argentina. You just got the World Cup and got your, you got the brightness of your, your, your earthly glory right there with the World Cup, but in the, it makes sense in the Northern Hemisphere, and this ties into the first reading as well, and this is all pointing. So now, we go from, in the, in the Northern Hemisphere, winter solstice, the darkest time of the year, and now we have the coming of Christ in His birth, and it just keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter because he's going go, we're gonna go through Lent, and He's gonna go through His Passion, and then He's gonna be crucified for our sins to save us, and then He's gonna be raised, and human nature is gonna enter into the Most Holy Trinity itself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and human nature is gonna dwell there. So we are moving towards the light now and days are getting brighter and brighter from this day on. So we're looking to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. What we have been given brothers and sisters is beyond comprehension. It blows my mind. If there were a better plan that would be possibly conceivable and another faith, there's no other faith that offers this. This is the greatest news, the greatest story on earth that's ever happened in the cosmos. And you and I are called into it intimately. In this Christmas, the Blessed Mother is giving you her son, the infinite, the infant, the infinite infant son. And I encourage you to, to enter into prayer and see yourself holding him and loving him, kissing his forehead and his cheeks, and tell him how much you love him, and tell him how thankful you are for becoming so, so tiny in utter humility and pouring himself out out of love for us so that we could share with him who he is in his sonship for all of eternity. May Jesus Christ be praised.
1: Are you a Marian helper?